This episode of the This Is Reportage podcast is sponsored by Eneloop Pro Batteries by Panasonic. If you're anything like me, you would have used a fair few batteries in your life. It's so important that our flashes fire exactly when we want them to and recycle super fast. Nothing more frustrating than seeing the bride hoisted up on the groom's shoulders on the dance floor, both belting out the chorus to Mr. Brightside and us missing the shot because our flash didn't recycle in time. That's where Eneloop Pro batteries come in. Panasonic's top-of-the-range rechargeables are the only batteries I use now and for quite a while. I'm not alone either. I know loads of my photographer friends and colleagues only use Eneloop Pros too. With their high capacity, they're perfect for my flashes, and the only reason I miss the shot now is down to my own ineptitude, not because the flash didn't fire. It's good to know I'm playing a small part in helping the environment by using rechargeables as well. And another bonus for Eneloop Pro is that they have such a low self-discharge. If you store them fully charged, they still retain 85% of their charge after a year. Perfect for those times where, for whatever reason, you may not have been shooting much in a while. Thanks to Panasonic for sponsoring this episode. Head to thisisreportage.com to see a link through to the Enloop Pro product page for more information. Hi and welcome to episode 74 of the This Is Reportage podcast. My name is Alan Law, I'm the founder of This Is Reportage and This Is Reportage family and I'm a photographer too. A real pleasure to chat to the very lovely Agueda Sanfis for the podcast today. Agueda is a wonderful Spanish documentary photographer based in Tampa Bay, Florida in the USA and she recently won four Reportage family awards from us in a single collection which is no mean feat. As well as being a great photographer herself, she's recently organised Picture Imperfect, an exhibition and book of documentary family photography, something we talk about on the episode today, along with many other things, including how picking up a camera when she was 19 for a road trip shaped her photography, the importance of patience and other top tips for documentary family photography, why you don't always have to shoot fully manual, why it's vital to be in your own family photographs, the story behind one of our specific Reportage Family Awards, and much more too. Before we get on to Agueda, just a little mention that we'll be doing our very first This Is Reportage Family live photo critique on Tuesday, May the 4th, 2021, where the fab Ninka Kudyk, Yulia Rose Grime, and myself will be critiquing some TIRF members' documentary family photography work. Both Ninka and Yulia have been guests on the podcast before, actually, so you may have heard them here. The session will be over on our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash This Is Reportage Family, and it's available to watch live by anyone, not only members. Members are able to submit images to be critiqued. You have until 2359 BST on Saturday the 1st of May to get your submissions in, and they will be the only people who can re-watch the session if you can't make it live. Really hope you can join us on the live session. As I say, it's open and viewable to absolutely everyone, not just members. Hopefully we can all learn something from it. You can offer your own thoughts and opinions or just ask us any questions. Should be fun. Right, over to Agueda. Hi, Agueda, how are you doing? Good, how are you, Alan? I am good, thank you. Yeah, very good, very good. How's things with you? It's exciting to be here. Um, I haven't been a member of the Family Reportage for that long, but I've been really excited with everything that is happening um, and all the great information you're putting out there for us. It's just great. It's just uh, oh, thank you. very thank exciting. You. Thank you for being such an awesome part of it. And thanks for doing this today. It's lovely to hear your voice. Um, yeah, I'm really, really looking forward to it. It's, it. We were talking just before beginning, weren't we, and the whole putting a little Facebook picture or, you know, profile picture to a voice is a strange thing. It's lovely to hear yours. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So where, where in the world are you? You're in America, aren't you, somewhere? Yes, I'm in Tampa. I'm, I'm originally from Spain, but I've, I've been in the U.S. for quite a few years now, since 2003. So, and, okay. and then in Tampa for seven years. So, yeah. Okay. My American geography is so bad. Whereabouts is is Tampa? I'm so bad. Oh, don't worry about it. I mean, <laughs> Americans can't complain about geography. So, <laughs> um, uh, it's in Florida. It's uh, oh, okay. in the west cool. coast of Florida. So we have a bunch of. Uh, it's a it's a popular destination for um, 
British for the winter months. So now uh, that we are allowed to travel to the U.S. again, maybe <laughs> if you want to come anytime, uh, oh, I'm happy to that. host. <laughs> oh yeah, oh, I'll take you up on that. Take you up on that. I'd love that. You know, I've only I've been. I say if people have heard the podcast before, they've heard me say this, but I've only I've been to America like six times, I think, but every time has been to Vegas. I've never been anywhere else. That's really bad, isn't it? I know that's bad. Yeah, like Vegas out of all the places. I mean, it, it's an interesting and generally an American thing to do. Going to Vegas is like mm. Disney for adults. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Have you been? But, Have you been? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I I haven't been in casinos for some reason. It's always been a like a like a technical stop to go somewhere else, uh, to go okay. to Death Valley or somewhere else. But um, and I don't really gamble or anything. But it's interesting to just drive around, see all the hotels, and it's like, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. So, I mean, I live in a very kind of sleepy place in uh, in in England, a place in Cornwall, very southwest, and Vegas is like the opposite. I think that's what I like about it. It's like the opposite. <laughs> Really is. Um, no, but I'd I'd love to go where where you live. So, what's the weather like at the moment for you? Um, right now, it's getting into ninety degrees already. It's pretty hot, so oh that would be what in Celsius, like twenty seven, twenty eight degrees, maybe oh more. Man. No, actually, more. It's like thirty two, thirty three oh, degrees. I don't yeah, know if I could cope like every day then for for like when's it start getting that hot? Or is it permanently like that hot? Usually, it's in April. So early April, it starts to get really hot, but this year we've been lucky and the heat is starting to just kicking this week so yeah right. it's been a blast and when right. i i just had a three photographers visiting um next last friday and they were like you were so exaggerated about eating outdoors with like you know these misty fans oh I was yeah like, oh we totally need to go somewhere outdoors with misty fans because we're not going to be able to stand it and then when <laughs> they were like oh you're so exaggerated and it's like yeah well we've been very lucky with the weather but yeah it gets pretty hot here. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Oh, that's so different to here. I mean, it's about, well, it's about 10 degrees Celsius today. And that is warm. That oh. feels warm. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> with those photographers that were staying with you, I think, is that probably linked to your picture imperfect? Yes. Um, I had, uh, I think, uh, Lisa Stefana, Lisa Weiner, Stefana Farrell, and Kelly Haynes and Heather Witten. Um, I think Lisa and Stefana are also members of oh, yeah. uh, this is reportage family and oh, cool. yeah they're members of the exhibition as well so it was great to and i'm i'm gonna be welcoming more photographers here in the next few weeks which is really exciting oh that's really cool yeah it's it's great to see an exhibition on your own like coming to life but then when you join other photographers and see their reactions and everything is really really nice it's really cool oh, i think it's amazing uh, what you've done and obviously so i was going to ask you about it and and congratulate you on it you know picture imperfect so it's an exhibition and a book of documentary family photography that you organize you know it's a uh -huh. huge deal i wish i wish i could see the exhibition in person myself that would be so cool yeah so i was going to ask you you know can you tell us more about it a bit more about what it is and and how you came how it came about really you know it must have been a big deal we must have been organizing it for quite a long time I would have thought um yeah I mean I have a background in arts administration um when I moved to the U.S., I, I started working as an arts administrator and um, organizing exhibitions, festivals, all these sorts of things. But oh. that was a very non-family friendly type of job to have. Right. Um, so I kind of... Uh, what, kind of long uh, hours and things? or Yeah, late hours. And I was okay. like, if, if I have a kid, I mean, I'm, not, I'm never going to see my kids. So I kind of had to um, reinvent myself and pick up the camera more which is which was my hobby and and try to make a living out of photography and so but you know that thing about putting uh points together organizing things like seeing a spaces and say oh this content would fit in this space it's, it's always in my head right so yeah, okay um, cool yeah, when I went to Storytellers, do you remember the conference? I, I'm sure Ruina has talked about it. And, yeah, she talked podcast. about it on the episode. Yeah, it was that that sounded great. Sounded great. Yeah, that was amazing. And one of the things that uh, I love is that uh, one of the, the on 
one of the rooms, uh, there was a few pictures display of some of the best photography in documentary, family photography. And when I saw all these pictures on the walls, I was like, how on earth this is not on a museum? Like, this is material for a museum. And uh, we need to start having these conversations in art institutions and kind of find uh, the legitimate, uh, legitimize the, the genre in the art world more, have um, curators look at this work rather than just photo editors or other photographers, just really look into the art world, right? And because I collaborate with uh, FUBOPA in the past, which is the local museum of photography, I, I pitched the idea and they liked it and they were like, okay, you're going to have to help us navigate this world a little bit like mm. uh, let me know more about these photographers that photographers and then the, the the curator started the selection process and we started reaching out with everybody and it was a very collaborative um, um, uh, endeavor because I also brought in like my closest allies my closest friends in the photography world and say okay this is what I'm thinking to do and everybody kind of chip in and help and it was just a really really great process yeah, it's so and, cool it's such a big thing to take on but oh sorry but so cool then to, to now see did you have your opening night was it recently was it a couple of weeks ago or a week ago or something yeah and and here's the thing um the the date was set um since november or december 2019 so there was no way to know what was going to happen with oh. us in 2021st right Gosh, it was like, yeah bit of a change in, <laughs> yeah, in the world yeah so yeah, it's exactly. And at one point, we're like, "Oh, should we go ahead with this? Should we um, stop? Like, what? What? What is it?" And I'm, I'm actually happy in a way that it happened to be in this time because the museums, the arts organizations, need to uh, have normalcy as well. I mean, it's been such a hard year for arts organizations and museums that had to close and go virtual on almost everything yeah. and lucky for us florida is starting to open a little bit more okay. and this was the first opening they had at the museum since covid so that was kind oh, of wow. like a big deal because even though um, l um attendance was limited and they had to kind of moderate a little bit who was going into the room and out of the room it was so great to have things happening live at the museum that was that was very up uplifting and it was my first time in an indoor museum since forever since uh, this whole thing happened so that was really it was like a starting point or more than a starting point, it was like an inflection point of like, okay, from here, we're going back to normal. Hopefully, oh, yeah, you know. a bit of hope, a bit of hope, yes, which is exactly. the physicality of that hope, which is awesome. Yeah. Oh, man, I just can't imagine what it's like to organize something like that and then be standing there in that room with, with other people and other photographers and other members of the public looking at that work about something that's so special and so, so important that we, you know, we obviously believe that is so important. And of course, it really is. It must have been an amazing feeling, really. That it must have been awesome. Yeah, it was, and I feel like, in a way, it happened also because of the pandemic. Because we were not shooting as much, mm. uh, we had time. Some people had time to reorganize their websites or write more blog posts or stuff like that. Um, I had the opportunity to invest in like produ producing this and and I think part of the collaboration from the people involved happened because of that because we were at home we were not shooting right mm, and when true, you're not it? shooting it's like so it's like it's the result of you know resilience and adapting to the circumstances as well which is mm -hmm. really nice you know it happened it, it was meant to happen like this I feel you know there's no other way yeah that's true <laughs> <laughs> that is true and yeah I agree similar things in my life some things have happened because of the pandemic or some things have happened quicker because of the pandemic you know so yeah right. there are some good positives that come from it some a few a few not that many yeah. but, but a few um it must feel amazing for the photographers that are involved as well you've got over 40 photographers haven't you from all over the world 
Yeah, 46 photographers, uh, and it's pretty much Latin America, uh, the U.S., and the U.K., so it's uh, the, and Europe. Now, I like we make that distinction now, right? <laughs> yeah, it's different. U.K. Yeah. and Europe, unfortunately. <laughs> I yeah. know, yeah. Oh, but um, it, it, must, it must be amazing for those photographers that are involved in it. It's a real, real honor. And how long um, it, 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 it's currently showing, isn't it? How long is the exhibition on for? Um, until May thirty first, and then it's now we're in the in the works for the next place. We have a gallery interested. Uh, we're just working the logistics of taking the exhibit to another state, which you know, uh, in Europe would be equivalent to go from I don't know Barcelona to Vienna or Barcelona to you know. That's so. really cool. <laughs> It's like going on tour in the bands, isn't it? Yes, it's exactly. With an art exhibition, that's so cool. And just yeah. the way that you've made, you know, this documentary family photography, which is so important, making it, you know, a real, a real, well, I've always thought it's art, obviously, but to make it so, you know, you, you are really advancing it, it, this genre as art by having that physical exhibition of it, which is so cool. Yeah, I mean, I think that one of the things I came to realize is that when we're branding our photography as family documentary photography, we are we're competing with all the family portrait photographers out there that are doing traditional photography, and we're trying to brand brand ourselves without. Uh, ensuring that the public has an understanding of what the genre is. And every time, like, I think it makes more sense to make promotional uh, endeavors if we educate people about the genre. And it's very, very helpful to have uh, something where you can show the people the genre as a whole, how, how the scope of it, how diverse it is, how... You know, because even if at the end of the day, there's six photographers from Tampa in that exhibit. At the end of the day, if I'm not promoting my work and other much more talented local photographers get more promotion, somebody ends up hiring those photographers. We still win as a mm -hmm. genre because it's somebody shifting from traditional portrait to documentary. Mm, and so that is still not happening. So by promoting the genre as a whole through, you know, um, exhibitions or even, you know, I don't know, books or whatever it is, we are, we are helping having that switch from tr traditional to documentary, which is necessary. It's, mm. We still are far behind promoting, I feel, th to mm. the general public. That's so true. That, and it's, as you say, so important. And that was one of the reasons, you know, for me of starting this reportage family, just to in increase the prominence of it, you know, to show people that this is such an amazing thing. This is what you can have done of your own family, you know, capture the real life moments of your family. You don't have to, you know, stand in front of a white screen with these fake grins. You can get your real life captured and just increasing that prominence of it. So people know it's a, it's a, it's a thing they can have, really. Right. Yeah. And I, and I love websites like yours where people can land and yes, they can see what you do, but in perspective of all the things that are happening and the fact that it, it, whether they're local or they're traveling to another point of the world, this is available to them. Mm -hmm. And it's just uh, part, contributing to that conversation of how big this genre is, how diverse and how many talented people are on it. So mm. uh, it's so great. And your website, I love that you still give a lot of personal room for people to show their work. It's very nicely done. Like, I feel like I have my own little website within your website, which is, oh, that's cool. it's, it's so much better than having, like, let's say a listing or something like that. It just goes beyond that. So oh. Thank you. Chapeau really to cool. you for that because it's really nice. I love that. <laughs> well, thanks very much. That's awesome. And um, you mentioned about books earlier as well. That you, but as well, you're not just doing an exhibition. So you've got a book of uh, Picture Imperfect as well. So what's been the process for that? Has that been just as involving, I guess, as the exhibition? It's been a lot of work. Well, um, yeah. I mean, I thought from my previous life as an arts administrator, I always uh, noticed that any exhibit that had a book backing it uh, had was more respected in a way. It was exactly. like, you know, it was easier to present afterwards to other venues, other places. And, you know, it's considering that a lot of the photographers are not from Tampa and might not, not even from the U.S. and might not be able to attend any of the exhibitions. Um, 
having something to remember this was important. And to be honest, I wouldn't have been able to do it if it wasn't because one of the participant photographers, Gabby Hunt, uh, was involved in the process. She's into marketing. She um, produces flyers and books and things like that all the time. And she got totally on board. And as I said earlier, th it was thanks to this energy of all the participant photographers contributing in some ways that things happen. And definitely it wouldn't have been possible without her. She was completely involved from minute one, volunteering to put it together. Oh, that's cool. And then, yeah, I mean, the curator was on board from minute one she wrote the foreword um, and it was really wonderful because it was putting the work in perspective with the art war with like what it meant Sally Man at that time and age when Sally Man like came afloat as an artist and, and how that kind of historically has progressed into what we are doing right now right mm -hmm. um, which I mean with with the difference there's many differences between what we do and what sally man does but at the same time it was bringing family into the the into the art world like uh, in a way that we we never saw it and in a way we're doing the same way the the same thing um so writing about that in the foreword was really great and then we had kelly jet walls Ka um, katie jet walls sorry um in speaking the preface to and how the experience of becoming a documentary photographer happened mm. in her life, which it's something we all feel identify with. Like all of a sudden you're in the photography school and you're like taking pictures and you have your wonderful portfolio and then you're trying to fit where where in in that genre that you feel is your home your your language and finding family photography and and i think we've all had that moment at one mm. point it's like this is exactly what i want to do and and it's really beautiful to see he so nicely written in her words so yeah oh it's just so, so cool have you got yes. the actual physical book now or is it still in production or have you got the physical book and well uh, it's it's uh, supposed to start shipping today so the, the oh, production cool. ended and so you know like gabby and i we're like um crazy looking through the window like tracking that number <laughs> the tracking number looking at the tracking number like 10 times a day it's yeah, like when is bet. this coming <laughs> oh, oh you must be so excited to see that that is so cool yeah. and for all those photographers involved to get a copy of that as well it's it's a big big deal and and if anyone's listening now you know if they if they would like to get a copy of the book how, how do they can they still can they order one Yes, um, you can go to my bio uh, in Instagram and there's a link with all the stuff that is happening with Picture Imperfect, the book. Um, there's going to be a virtual showing of the exhibit on the 8th and then there's a roundtable on the 28th that people can log in through Zoom. So there's a bunch of things happening and yeah, I mean, go ahead. There's only, I think, seven books left though for the first edition. Oh, so. wow. <laughs> God, you've done great already then. That's awesome. That's so cool. Well, I'll, um, I'll, if anyone's listening now, obviously they're listening because they're hearing us talking. So I don't know why I say that. It's so silly, isn't it? But I'll include a link through to your Instagram then on the, the, the show on the post on the website so people at least will be able to go there and and find out all that information and and yeah and hopefully some of them will be able to go to the actual exhibition as well which you say it's until did you say 31st of may did you say 31st of may in tampa and i you know if you come just give me a call because you know even though i'm going to have two little ones running <laughs> around me i can just go show you pick up you pick you up at the airport it's always nice to meet another fellow documentary photographer or just photographer period so oh. Yes, nice. come to Tampa. It's it's great. We have alligators. We have um, rivers <laughs> to kayak. <laughs> that sounds good. That sounds good. I've never seen an alligator in the flesh. Have you seen? Uh, do do you see them regularly? Then? I mean, not regularly. Uh, no, I'm in the urban area of Tampa, but definitely, okay. if you leave close to a little uh, pond or something, you will see an alligator. I've seen s snakes. Snakes is a it's a big oh, deal. Yeah. Like. You're walking out in your backyard, and yeah, there, there's the black raider, which is a very common snake in here. Oh, is that uh, poison? Is it poisonous? Yeah, it's a little dangerous. The thing is, uh, uh, I and I always have to be careful with them because the first time we saw a snake, she was, uh, um, how do you say in English, the changing the skin, changing skin, right? Oh yeah, yeah. And laying eggs, and so she was very calm. She was just sitting there, and my kids were like. 
oh, she's so nice and quiet. It's not dangerous at all. Now, every time they see a snake, they just want to walk in there and just hang out with the snake. And I'm like, no, you, you don't want to do that. Let's just no. leave it, you know. <laughs> oh, that's funny. That's funny. Do alligators, did they ever go into like the kind of built up residential area at all? I guess not. No. Mm no i guess not i mean i don't <laughs> yeah, I know I don't, nothing about that <laughs> i don't know how you yeah i i have you, kelly here the photographer uh she she knows everything about alligators but um i i don't i've been here for seven years and i haven't encountered so many of them so i know That's they're good. completely blind or really? almost completely oh, blind so you really have to piss them off a lot and be <laughs> very close to them to really for them to do something to you that's uh, that's what i heard so oh that's good advice that's good i, I didn't know that as well that's good to know i love it people can get all sorts of tips on this podcast that they never, did, never would have thought. oh no that's so cool um again that's so cool the whole exhibition the book i think it's amazing what you're doing there for for our genre i think it's really really cool so yeah and if you're listening now do head to this reportage.com or this reportage family and i'll include um some more info about the exhibition and book and a link through to um, your Instagram there where people can order the book as well so yeah very very cool very cool yeah. um, okay again let, let's go back let's go back even further back into history let's talk about how how you got into photography and and you said um, and it's on your bio I think on the, this reptiles family that I picked up the camera when I was 19 years for the first time for my first road trip it helped me break the ice with the people I met on the road so yeah can you tell us more about that what kind of road trip was that and was that when you were in Spain then or before America and yeah yeah I was in Spain and it was to go to Galicia to do this it was it was I was doing the Santiago uh, way, but without really doing it. You know, it was like it just happened to be that I wanted to see the northern part of Spain, um, and there was this train that was super cheap, which was perfect for students, and it was a stopping in every little town in the north of Spain, oh, and cool. so it was great. And 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 it was kind of following the track of the one of the Santiago ways, the the pilgrim way to, that All goes right. to Galicia, and. And so we met a lot of pilgrims and and it was just great because as a 19 year old girl, you were always like a little bit concerned of like, you know, approaching strangers. It was the first time that I was like going backpacking for a long time with without my family. And so cool. it they was, were nervous, but they're nervous of you going away. Um, I mean, not really, because you know how parents were in uh, the previous generations. Like, I feel like right now we're just worried about everything. But my parents were like, I mean, I grew up in in that eighties where you would just walk out the door at nine in the nine o'clock, come back home for lunch at two, and then leave at three and come back at nine ten at ten o'clock at night. So right. it was kind world. of like the transition into you know it was this the normal transition for a 19 year old girl to right, just okay. backpack and and go like i don't know how how, how was it for you like uh, well yeah i guess i it, i totally agree with you it's so different now isn't it and i've got two little ones and i just i just can't imagine them when they're being 19 me not being nervous if they decided to do you know like a trip around europe or something it would be yeah i guess it was different back then we used to go out and just play for all hours until like it became dark really and, and yeah even, this wouldn't do that now i think I yeah i mean to me it was more like breaking the eyes of like going to a complete stranger and you know talk but it usually will be like older people that hang out in like this this little square have you been in spain i've only be i've been a few times i went to barcelona for my honeymoon actually randomly oh nice is, yeah it was awesome i love it <laughs> and, and um when i was at university my parents sometimes had um traveled down to the um near malaga and torre del mar and some, down there and well and oh i've been to Nerja? You, you know Nerja? Nerja, yeah, yeah. that's yeah. super nice. One of oh. the white towns. Yes, and Camaras, which is near there, I think, up in the villages. Anyway, sorry, you probably you don't know every place in Spain. <laughs> but, right. <laughs> but it's beautiful. Yes, I have. I, yeah. I, I, uh, sorry, go on. Yeah. No, no, I was just like, no, I'm wondering if you, if you notice in the little towns, there's always, I'm sure in the UK always happens. You know, UK is one of the places I haven't been. I have to go to the UK. I've only been in the airport. But anyway, back back to the story. In small towns in Spain, I'm sure in the UK also happens that you have the little pe like the older people sitting by the 
um, benches of the main square, just looking, uh, observing everything and like chatting. So in Spain, it always happens. You go to a small town, there's the older people sitting there hanging out in the main square. So that's where we would go to get the best tips of where to go to eat or what to do uh -huh. or like, like, and so here we were, 19-year-old girls going to talk to the older people and <laughs> and it was be it would be like um a way to break the ice uh, mm. to have the camera and just you know take pictures of of people and what they said and uh, not, well you can take pictures of what they say meaning that as they <laughs> as they're talking to you take pictures of them and you make them feel comfortable and then you shoot and uh, you know yeah yeah and had and you, so had you you know had you been taking lots of photos before then you know had you was that literally when you started with a camera or yeah had, i yeah. i got it's when i was able to save money for my first dslr uh, so yeah that's really the first time i i i took the camera and just start shooting and it's so lovely to go back to those images right now because uh some of them are hanging from my walls by the way in my oh bedroom. that's cool yeah because it was it, it was the first time when you were starting to see things and you wanted to see things differently. So, you know, things, you will, you will start playing with motion or you will start playing with patterns. You will start playing with, you know, lights and different light, light conditions and shadows and all of that. And it's so beautiful to see how you start that process with the excitement of taking the camera for the first time and noticing things without really studying yet, just right. just mm. out of a very organic, you know, um, how would you say, organic, intu intuitive, intuitive mm. thing, yeah, you yeah. know? So it was really special. And I, I love looking at those pictures sometimes because, you know, if I had, like, my self-critic uh, I like uh, looking into those. I will just destroy them. But no, I don't want to do that. I, I want to remember how great it was to shoot for the sake of shooting and uh, yeah. just looking at things without really thinking too much about them, right? Because now when we shoot families and we have these responsibilities of like taking awesome pictures, I feel sometimes we we overthink a lot, and um, I have a hard time. I don't know if it happens to you, but I have I have a hard time sometimes just just let go and just shoot for the sake of you know. Mm, I think that's so true. That is so true, and uh, yeah, I mean that, and that's the same for me as well. I, I I don't know how it is with you between shoots, but I I don't pick up the camera too much, and I really should. I need to pick it up more and just shoot just for the love of shooting. You know, I don't yeah. do that enough. Do you do you manage to do that quite often? Well, um, now I have to say that when I see an interesting light and an interesting thing happening, I'll be, it's, it, the camera is always with me, that's oh, for that's sure. Um, but, but especially with my kids, if my kids are around, because I also know they're young and they, they, they give you a lot of opportunities to shoot really cool stuff. So I mm. try to be more um, disciplined. I've been using more the um, intervalometer uh, to be more present in the pictures because this year we've been homeschooling which was very interesting and intense. <laughs> and so yeah, have I, you enjoyed I, that? Is it, how old are your kids? Uh, seven and four. Oh, so uh, that's the most. I've got five and eight. Oh, no, six oh, and really? nine. I forgot they both got older, actually. Yeah, six <laughs> Similar ages. Yeah, how have you found homeschooling? Did you enjoy it? It's quite intense. Well, it's been, it's been intense. Some days I hate it. Some days <laughs> I, I think, I thought, okay, this is bringing a bonding experience that we will not have again. And I kind of love it. And now that it's coming to an end, I'm like more in that kind of mode where I'm like, oh my goodness, you know, we will never have this again before, That's like, true. unless I homeschool forever, which I don't think I'm going to do either. No. But I feel like, <laughs> you know, it's kind of, this is it. It's coming to an end. And, uh, you know, we got so used to being together all the time. And, yeah. you know, it's, but, from a photography perspective I felt that I had to be part of the pictures because of that because all of a sudden our change as our life as parents changed completely right and we're like in, stuck in the house with the kids and like all day with them and like and I felt okay I have to be more present in the pictures now and that's why I started playing a lot with self-portraits and oh, try to be cool. included in the picture, you know, um, yeah. as a way of therapy, like a, as, a, as, as a way to process things sometimes because it's been intense <laughs> sometimes. Oh, yes, it has, isn't it? I uh, think that's really cool doing the self-timer 
yeah, yeah. Kind of images. and so are you still are you, when you're doing these self-timer type shots are you still you know kind of obviously you know the photo is being taken so are you still are you kind of doing natural things with them or is it more kind of pose stuff how are you doing it um sometimes it's just more a picture that i feel i need to have of things that because you're in this uh routine that you do things with them i'm like okay i need to have a picture of you know this moment where i'm just by myself because the kids finally are done with her their schoolwork and mm. um I finally have this moment of like relax, having a coffee. So <laughs> what I would do is like setting up the following day, setting up the, the camera at that moment where I feel like I, I want a picture of that moment where I have peace, oh, you know, because cool. it's yeah. precious. It's a there's rare moment. <laughs> right. Or there's a moment where I know my kid is going to climb on top of me as I'm trying to work in the computer and from the back of my chair, try to jump into the bed, which is right behind the desk. And so I that day I prepare the camera where I want it, and when that happens, I I'm ready because I know like he's gonna do it eventually. Uh, that's, that's something cool. that he does. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so it's kind of like preparing for what's gonna happen tomorrow, uh, hoping that some of the repetition continues and you can capture it. You know, oh, it's really a little cool. bit like that. Yeah, I but so I mean, there's been some great uh, photographers out there doing that this year, and. I I even mentioned there should be an exhibit about that. <laughs> yeah, definitely. That would make a great exhibition, wouldn't it? That really would. Oh, I should do that yeah. as well because I'm just not in any of our family photos as well. So I need to do I need to do that. I think they won't realise they've had a dad when they're looking back at their photos. Actually, so. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Um, yeah, also because, I mean, nobody could, uh, we usually work with Kelly, the same person has been photographing our family for the past four years, so we always have a photographer coming and doing day in the life for us. And I think that's so cool. And I was, was going to ask you about that, actually, because I think it's another quote on your TIRF profile, and it probably is from Kelly shooting your family, I think, with the quote, you say, I will never forget my daughter's reaction and the way she told me, I love you, mom, when she saw a collection of photographs taken by a documentary photographer of our daily life when she was a toddler and her brother was not born yet. Was that from Kelly's? Yeah, that was from yeah. Kelly. And it's amazing to see the, the pictures throughout the year because, like, you will show your kids something they haven't seen before. Like, they don't remember. And you're like, I'm so happy that we document this because... I mean, I, I, that particular example, my daughter was at the moment that she was feeling a little bit regretful that we had a little sibling because <laughs> like her, the attention was for the baby and not for her anymore. And then like she, she was like, you don't love me, whatever, you know, they go into that like yeah. when the baby first come and and yes yeah, sometimes uh, we spend the, the change is drastic in some cases and and for her to see that and say okay we had that moment together and of course i love you we'll go back to that but now i have to be with the baby mm -hmm. <laughs> she it was really comforting for her she loved those pictures and and um this year, um, like I take pictures of the school, and and she's not gonna have those this year because there wasn't any school. But mm. uh, looking at those pictures of like even the first kindergarten photo session, I did a day day in the life in in her kindergarten. Oh, cool. And she looked at those pictures and she's like, I don't remember anybody from these pictures, any of these friends. I don't know who they are, but I think like I was having a great time, mom. And I'm like, yes, you were. So I'm glad you have these pictures. You know? Yeah, that's awesome to be able to show her that kind of thing. Yeah. And to have just those those year on year, like just, um, yeah, just long sessions of you as a family. It's just, I need to do it. I'm just thinking of it now. I just, I just need to do it. And my wife would love it. I just don't know why we haven't done it. It's been difficult for the last 18 months to have uh, it done really, isn't it? So. Mm. Yeah, th that's why I went into self-portrait because I couldn't really have anybody coming in and take pictures mm. of us in our house. And I was like, okay, until this goes, I'm just going to put the intervalometer and just shoot what I can Well, having both of us present, my husband and I, in the pictures, not only the kids all the time. So mm. um, it was a way to experiment with something new because I'm not the kind of person that will do a selfie of myself and post it online or like I don't do selfies. I don't like. <laughs> I, I don't share a lot of pictures of me, uh, and so it was kind of pushing a little bit. And I was very inspired with uh, some photographers like 
Angela Douglas Ramsey and what she did during the pandemic with self-portraits and self-portraits. And, and so I was like, you know what? Let me just give it a try. Let me just, you know, put myself in front of the camera. Why not? You know? <laughs> it's very cool. I think it's great. And your kids will love that when they're older and they'll see you in the photos rather than just them all the time as well. So I think that's yeah. very yeah. cool. Um, yeah. Something again that you mentioned, which resonated with me, well, lots of things you've mentioned, um, but I think it will resonate with a lot of listeners as well, I'm sure, is that um, you shoot in Aperture Priority most of the time and that you were embarrassed to even mention it for the longest time until okay. you realized that you weren't the only one. And I totally understand that because I've always shot in Aperture Priority, but it's it's funny, isn't it? It's like it's ingrained in us that we can only be a proper photographer if we shoot fully manual, but that's not, you know, it's not the case at all, is it? You know, just do whatever works best for you, whether that's manual or Aperture Priority it doesn't matter so i just thought yeah I, i've always shot in aperture priority you know and it's it, it's we're still photographers we're still photographers right i mean there are certain scenarios where you will have to go manual but it, it doesn't mean that manual is the way to go all the time at all times and for me it's actually yeah aperture priority is my way to go and then there's certain situations when the lighting condition or where you're working specific uh contrast hard contrast between shadows and, and lights and all you know a specific situation you might need manual but i mean if i'm shooting a situation where my light is pretty much the same and uh you know I just have to make sure that my pictures are not blurry because of motion unless I'm purposely looking for that why go in manual I'm just going to go aperture priority and I'm just going to focus more on the composition and not so much in the fiddling with the I mean That's some a... people are really good at it but mm. like I compare it to driving a car in manual I would be totally dysfunctional and I would just have an accident in like no time if yeah. I'm driving <laughs> manual <laughs> I only have an automatic license which is really rare in the UK so I can't even oh, really? drive like, yeah I've only got an automatic license yeah no I totally agree with you on that that's true I th and as you said as well and it's something that I've taught on my workshops. So the less you fiddle with the camera, the better. I think then you can be, you know, you can be focusing on the moment. You can be focusing on the composition, not rather than yeah. thinking about what button am I going to press here now. And yeah, I totally right. And and in some workshops, we're like, no, no, just try manual. Just try to go manual all the way. And I'm like, why? Why yeah. would I do that? You know, like, exactly. it's not that I'm not understanding how to expose because you're still underexposed or overexposed, whatever's depending that depending on the situation and the lighting condition it's not that you're going to stay like you're not going to work your lights because you're not changing other the aperture or the or the or the shutter speed you know you're still working it's just that your brain is wired differently and you you might be doing things in a more complicated way in a way but it's the same thing we're still like dealing with light and underexposing or exposing and mm. it would just do it differently you know I so totally and agree. and I, I i mean one of the things i loved doing was uh street photography in new york when i lived in new york and how oh, cool. hard it's like i like to me people that can go manual in a street photography, I mean, chapel for you. I mean, honestly, it's just it's just so hard. There's so many things you have to think, and everything happens so quickly, and there's no sense of predictability whatsoever with the street photography, I feel, in a way. Mm. And so to shoot manual, it's it's... I mean, it's great if you can do it, but I can't. I can't. Yeah, I totally agree with you. It's hats off if you can do it and you're just as quick, you know, do it and just as effective doing fully manual. But if, if you're quicker and it's more effective being aperture priority, then there is there is no shame in doing it, everyone. There really is no shame. And I, I just don't fully believe as well in, in making the most of these new cameras that, you know, you know have these technological advancements. Yeah. Let them, you know, use that technology to your benefit. And then you could just focus, as I said before, on what is going on in front of you capturing those moments and right. the compositions i just fully yeah. believe in that and so i use auto iso uh, you know all the time on my sony a9s with the minimum shutter speed aperture priority it just it works really well for me it really really does yeah yeah because uh, i mean we were talking before uh, about weddings too it's like wedding is also um a, a fast-paced, high-expectation kind of uh, mm -hmm. shooting environment where sometimes you just, you're not going to, if you messed up with your sh uh, shutter speed and you get that image blurry, you know, that's it. It's the it's the kiss. You miss <laughs> that, you miss. And so yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I think I'm okay with that, but to priority for a wedding too, because, yeah, you definitely. know. 
the, yeah. I mean, obviously in certain situations, not all the time, but yeah. So I did miss yeah. the first kiss once. I missed the first kiss once. And that's bad, isn't it? Oh, but the camera just didn't focus. I'm blaming it on the camera. <laughs> it didn't focus. And it was one of those where they did it really, really quickly. They just did a really little peck and I missed it. And, and, and that threw me for the rest of the day, actually. So that was oh, not well, a, a it's story. just but but I mean, wedding photography, that's why I call it. It's like it's like the Marines of photography yeah. of family photography. You know how like because the, the level of expectation when you're shooting a wedding is so much because everybody knows what shoots to expect in, mm. in, in certain situations and you can't miss. You know, it's like, so you have to be on top of everything uh, unless, I mean, at the reception, you, you can relax a little bit more and like, you know, be more playful and, and enter your vision. But I feel like especially at the beginning, when you're starting wedding photography, um, it, there's so much pressure to get those moments right, you know, because everybody knows what moments well. are and how and you have to get them right and perfect. And it's just it's just a way to keep your skills very sharp. And I feel like I don't That's love true. shooting wedding photography, but I think it's it it's very helpful to to stay on top of, you know, your to keep to keep your skills really fresh and sharp. Mm, that makes sense yeah totally yeah. and the last full wedding i shot with a dance floor as well was january 2020 so which is you know i'm just going to be i don't think i'm going to remember how to take photos at weddings <laughs> you know it's gonna i hope it does come back to me i hope it comes back but yeah, yeah. mad mad um again yeah. before 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 you go i, I want to ask you um about one of your specific reportage family awards that i really love um i think it was from the most recent collection um it's the one of a girl, which on the and she's on the right side of the frame. She's looking out towards. There's a kind of a white wall there, and on the left is what looks like a kind of orange ball in mid-flight. Yeah, do you mm -hmm. know what I mean? Yeah, and we and we don't know when I don't know looking at the image. You know, if the ball's going towards her or away, or really what's happening. Yeah. And I love that. I love that we're not really sure what's happening. You know, it's kind of abstract. Can you can you tell us more about that about that shot? Yeah. Um. So it's this little girl. She's my uh, my second cousin, and we were just spending the weekend together in Galicia, in the northern part of Spain. And I love how she was completely like she could be in her own little world, like at times where like there will be we were literally like a lot of people in there and we're loud and we're like but she will have their, these moments of like being on her own being doing her own thing and completely unaware of what's happening and that's exactly a w that's why i wanted to portray her like uh, like if i have to show how this kid is i have to do something like that like showing how unaware she's of her environment and her father was trying to play ball with her and like keep calling her name but she was just staring at something i think it was on the uh, on the wall or on on the pebbles or i don't know but she was totally not paying attention to the ball at all so, so I was like, this is my shot. This is this is where I'm cool. going to capture her. Because, yeah, like her father was like, yeah, come on, let's play ball. Let's play ball here. And she, he kept throwing the ball. And she was just not aware at all. She was just like, I love that because you're capturing, you know, an essence of her personality in that shot. And yeah, yeah. And, and also I just love, I love the way it's, you know, it's kind of abstract and the viewer doesn't really know what's happening. And I really love that about it, you know. Yeah, it's also, yeah, making it a little bit more interesting in the sense that, yeah, you leave some questions in the air so that people can think, okay, um, you know, what's going on here? And mm -hmm. that's, yeah, that's the magic of just like taking just a tiny little piece of a reality that is happening around you, right? It's just, yeah. And making yeah. it art. I think an image like that is art, you know, and I just, that's what really excites me about shooting as well. I'm so looking forward, sorry, I'm just so looking forward to shooting again, just getting out there and just, because you never know what you're going to capture. And yeah, I just love that about the documentary side of family and weddings as well. That's the, the that's what I absolutely adore about it. You know, it's not going out with a shot list in mind or a preconceived idea of what we're going to capture. But yeah, just capturing what is really going on around us, and but capturing yeah. it in in our own unique ways as well. Yeah, and I think it's. I mean, we're so lucky to work with so many children because they're so, especially when they're still not super like aware of themselves, and they just they're just being themselves, and and that they that opens a room. Access is one of the hardest thing in photography. I feel 
and we get that access pretty much immediately when we go into a family. I mean, not all the time, not with all the kids, but it's a lot easier to win that access with children than with adults. And 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 I think it's just so lovely that they they they, they just give you all those moments like in front of you. It's just uh, you know, I haven't really shot a lot of uh, teenagers or older kids. Um, I think you know, I would love to hear more people, more photographers talking about that because that that's the part that I find more tricky. Mm. But when we photograph, you know, weddings or children in their environment, we just gain access immediately, which is which is really great. I love that part. That uh, that's true, yeah. is it? And, and, and in normal day to day life, you don't get that kind of access. Really, it's kind of a, a magic thing that for those for yeah. those hours or however long the shoot may be, a full day or just an hour, you get that kind of proper insight, and you're allowed into these people's world. It's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I I, I spent a couple of years working in Zimbabwe when I was still an arts administrator. I was not a photographer, but the very first person that I met was a photographer. And he was like, I was like, you know what? I want to go to a Zimbabwean wedding. I want to see what's happening. It's like, come and shoot. And you know, because you're a girl and I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to be allowed in certain parts of the getting ready um, protocols and everything. Why don't you just go with me and you become my second shooter? I never shot a wedding in my life. All I did was travel photography, right? And uh -huh. there I am in a country that I'm spending three weeks. Uh, I was there. Uh, it was my third week there. And I'm shooting a wedding. And there's all these women changing, you know, using a razor to, like, you know, sharpen <laughs> their, their eyebrows in front of me. And there I am with the camera. And I'm like, oh, thank God I'm having all this access because I don't think I would have access in any other way if it wasn't mm -hmm. because I have my camera, right? Uh -huh. So true. And that was wonderful. Like it was just great, and and that's because it was a wedding. And it's like, oh, this is here. It is a completely stranger, but she's coming with a photographer. Like <laughs> you know, she doesn't speak a word of Shona, but it doesn't matter. Like just come in and just join us, and it's just so great. That's oh, that kind yeah. of access is wonderful, right? That must have been an awesome um, experience shooting that. That must have been really cool. It was really a lot of fun, even though I didn't understand a word of what was <laughs> happening because they were not speaking much English. But uh, yeah, it was just great. And, and uh, I wish I would have known more. My wedding photography skills would have been better by then. But then again, it was like you were not overanalyzing or self-criticizing so your, yourself so much because you're just starting. And it's like, OK, I'm just going to do this. I don't care what's the outcome of this. I'm just going to do it. And let's hope for the best right and yeah you know. that's a great attitude to have though isn't it it's good i wish we could always have that kind of attitude i think you're right as we get older you do start just be more i don't know self-critical or self-analytical yeah i know i know what you mean yeah, I mean it's it's self criticism and like uh, uh, it's it's necessary to improve your work. I think it's but it, I th I wish sometimes there was a balance between the two. I think it's it's hard for us to find the right balance between mm. be like okay, trust yourself and just do it and just like you know jump in the pool without knowing there's water or not. Sometimes mm, have that true. kind of attitude. And balance it with that self-criticism of like, okay, you should do this better. Like, you should really look at this and improve your skill here and there or whatever it is. But, mm, no, yeah. Oh, uh, okay. This has been—it's been so interesting talking to you. It's been—it's been so fun. Thank you for for talking to me. I think we've got time for one more question, if that's okay with you. We've got time for one? Absolutely. More. Yeah, it's so great to talk to you, Alan. Thank you for making it so fun and comfortable. Oh and no, thank casual. you as well. It's just—it's it felt, <laughs> felt so easy, and we've never spoken before. It's just felt like I've spoken to you millions of times before. It's lovely. It's really, really yeah. Nice. Can I tell you one of my main like concerns about this interview is that I was going to end up talking with British accent because. <laughs> I do that a lot. I travel to a country and all of a sudden I'm picking up the accent from that country and I feel so ridiculous afterwards. I'm like, why am I doing that? Thank God I discover I'm not the only one. Some people do that too. So, but That's funny. I think that's a cool, that's a cool kind of um, a people skill though, in a way. It's mean, you know, it's kind of like empathy in a way that you, you're starting to talk like them. And I think it's a really good skill to have really. 
Okay. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, even though people are like, why are you speaking with Cuban accent if you're <laughs> from Spain? It's like, you know. I th but I think like subconsciously, it's part of you, you know, it's making you, I mean, you are making them feel comfortable, I think. It's a kind of, it is a kind of like people skill that you probably do subconsciously. I think, so. Yeah, yeah, my, my desire of like blending in so much that my <laughs> conscious just do it, does it, you know, with, I don't even notice. It's like, it's always somebody else telling me, it's like, you're speaking with that accent now. <laughs> That's funny. I do think it's a positive thing, but yeah, you, you're not sounding British, don't worry. You're not sounding <laughs> okay, British. Good, good, good. <laughs> okay, let's, let's end on quite a big question. Um, okay, so let's end on a big question. What would be your top tips to help someone become better at the documentary side of family photography? You know, how does someone become a better documentary family photographer? I know we haven't got ages, so just, yeah, any any top, thoughts? Top 10. Um, oh, no, not just, top 10, just top tips, oh. anything, one, two, or three. Oh, I was going to say one. top 10, Ooh, That's a big that ass, top 10. <laughs> um. I, th I think, like, first of all, it's the empathy. Try to walk on everybody's shoes, no matter, like, what age, what age they are, because that's going to help you find the right distance and the right, um, the right moments to get close or get far, especially because you're in th – these people, the people that are in front of you are being vulnerable. I mean, they're showing you their life the way it is. And so, you know, it, empathy and – it's a it's a huge thing. It's you. It is, isn't it? It's massive. And especially when when you're dealing with little people like uh, uh, like kids, it's it, I'm trying to understand where they're coming from or why they're doing certain things. They might not even know themselves, but you know, try to walk into their shoes of how they're processing everything. It's just really important because that way you will understand when to get close, when to get far. I think that's that's really important. Then being patient. Because one of the things you have is that compared to wedding photography, there's no that level of expectations of you need to get this shot at this time in that particular moment and it has to kind of look like that. That doesn't exist in family photography. And so, you know, give yourself some time to work on a picture. Um, the, the minute you save you the minute a moment is happening in front of you you take a picture that is like kind of the safe picture and then try to work it out to make a more interesting picture um that sometimes can be difficult when really nothing is happening but uh, uh tyler um gave me a good great advice one time is when the moment ranking goes down then your composition uh, ranking goes up the points you know like he has a so um even when not n nothing is happening you can always count on the composition or even the light to kind of create a, an interesting moment out of nothing you just have to be really patient and work it out and think about a little bit outside of um the box for that which is hard um Oh, something else is great. It's great bits of advice. I love this. Yeah. Yeah. And then always have, a, I mean, I know most of us, if not everybody, is doing the slideshow. I mean, i presenting that slideshow before they see the photos. It's just telling the stories, like that compo component of storytelling that they would never have with fam traditional family photography. And we have to explore, ex uh, exploit that to the maximum. You know, I... Um, Davina and Daniel in wedding photography, they explain in one of the workshops that that's what they do. They emphasize the, the slideshow first, and then a few days later, they let them watch, they, they let them see the pictures individually. Okay. Okay. Mm. And in, emphasizing that storytelling component of what we do is really important because that's, I think, our main asset. Mm. Awesome. That's, 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 those are some great tips there. That's great advice. I saw Davina and Daniel at a conference years ago in London, actually. They were great. They were really cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, they oh, are masters such... on the slideshows. Their slideshows are always great. So, yeah, yeah. You know, I don't do slideshows as well. I don't do them. I should do them, shouldn't I? <laughs> no, so, so I really should. I must, I must be the only photographer who doesn't do slideshows, I think. I should do I understand. You know, it's crazy because out of my personal experience, what we do the most in this house, we have photos, we have photo albums, and we do slideshows. And the the 
the product we consume the most is the slideshow uh, because right. sometimes okay. because we're not at home and we just want to see something and I have all my slideshows so that we, we could just see them anywhere or when you try to explain a story to someone and then the photo albums so photo albums would be the number two but just going through random photos it's something we never do in my house so that's right. why I think slideshows I don't know I have I have a thing for slideshows. <laughs> oh, I can I can totally understand how powerful they are and how emotive they are. Yeah, I need, I should start exploring it. I should. I'm very late to the slideshow party, but I I should get involved. I yeah, involved. I I would like to hear all the photographers listening to this and see if they can tell me how many times they play a slideshow of a day in the life and a member of the family didn't cry. Like there's always somebody who cries at one point. It's just always. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah i bet i bet um oh i get it thank you so much for all of that thank you for so many interesting stories so many great advice and tips and thank you for your openness and it's just been so lovely talking to you it's been so great alan and thank you so much for having me and oh, thanks for coming on and congratulations again so much on picture imperfect you know that's it's an amazing accomplishment that is and i i know that everybody who's been involved must be absolutely thrilled to be involved and what you're doing for the genre for our genre is is so so important so yeah it's awesome Thank you. I'm uh, hopefully like, we can. There's seven, no, six British photographers in the show. So fingers crossed. Hopefully we take it to the UK at one point. Oh, that'd be so cool. <laughs> oh, let me know. Definitely, that would be so, so cool. And as I say, anyone listening now, do head to thisreportagefamily.com or thisreportage.com, and I'll include um, more details about that in the in the podcast post and a link through to Agata's Instagram as well. So, yeah, hopefully you can go along to the exhibition in person uh, or get the book or both. And yeah, also it's been just so great talking to you. Hopefully, I'll get to meet you in the flesh one day. Ple pleased to meet you, and yes, let's do it. Let's get together at one point in our lives. <laughs> we'll we'll cool. be doing a, a TIR and TIRF. Christmas party in London if you want to come over this December. It's a bit of a long way to go, but you're Ooh, very welcome. Now, now that we can travel so much more freely, uh, don't tempt me. I might, yeah. I might just uh, ring Bring on the your exhibition over. As well. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, thank you so much. Lovely thank talking you. to you. Stay safe. It was great talking to you. Stay safe too. <laughs> bye bye. Bye bye. You've been listening to the seventy fourth episode of the This Is Reportage podcast. Agada was really fascinating to talk to and so warm. Really love chatting to her. Hope you enjoyed it too. Head to thisreportagefamily.com or thisreportage.com for a link through to her website and Instagram where you'll be able to find out more about the exhibition and book and to see the specific Reportage Family Award that she spoke about on the episode too. We have lots more episodes of the podcast available where we speak to wedding and family photographers from all over the world, delve into our back catalogue to hear from the likes of Rowena Meadows, Frank Boutonnet, The Framers, Ross Harvey, Lisa Hu Chen, Else Corsten, Katrin Kuhlenberg, Tyler Workin, Chelsea Canard, David Scholes and many more too. If you're not yet a member of this reportage or this reportage family, check out all the benefits of joining us, including an unlimited number of images on your profile, 60 individual award and 18 story award entries per year, invites to our physical meetups and parties, exclusive discounts, hours of educational videos featuring tips and advice from some of the world's best photographers, and much more too. Submissions are open now for our next award collections. The deadline is the same for both our wedding site and our family site. Submit by 2359 BST on 24th of May 2021. No poses, nothing staged. This is Reportage. And this is bye for now. <laughs>